Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. My name is Tom, you may know me as the creator of Like Stories of Old. And I'm joined by fellow video essayist Thomas Flight to talk about The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. Thomas, you've seen The Batman once, right? Yes, I I had the chance to see it once. Yeah, I was lucky enough to catch it in theater two times already, but seeing as it's still a brand new release, we'll give you some spoiler-free thoughts first. But just so you know, we are going to do a full breakdown of the film. We're going to talk about all the deeper themes and meanings. For me, I, I was especially interested in how the Batman revealed both the effectiveness as well as the limitations of the Batman as a larger myth. I think it touched on some important subjects like uh, justice, like radicalization and heroism, and did so in a mostly effective way. But uh, I do have some critical notes. But uh, yeah, Thomas, uh, before we get into all that, what what fascinated you the most about this uh, latest incarnation of the Batman? We're going to get into all the thematic stuff and there's a lot there that's interesting but if i'm being completely honest the thing that Mm -hmm. i liked most about this movie was just the way it looks the aesthetic the vibe the atmosphere um i thought it was one of the most stylistically like interesting and inventive certainly uh like superhero movies i've seen in a long time um but even even aside from that even just larger blockbuster movies in general Mm -hmm. i i think the lighting and just the way the sets are designed, the just the entire atmosphere of the film, I think, is really uh, unique and something that I really enjoyed watching. So that mm. that's the biggest thing that like popped out to me. Yeah, and uh, I, I'd love to see it again, even just for for that mm-hmm. element. I was gonna say exactly the same. Yeah, the, the <laughs> it just that it was so just dripping with atmosphere, which. It was interesting if you compare it to the previous Batman films, like Zack Snyder also has a very visual style to it, but still this felt more grounded and realistic, but then again, also not in the same way as Nolan's realism felt. Uh, Nolan felt realistic, but like Batman in the literal real world, this still felt like a superhero world or like some kind of comic book uh, place, but... I think the different the main difference with Snyder is that Snyder is really focused on getting these he, I think he just maximizes every image for ultimate visual quality so you get these cool hero shots and but they, they mostly feel like more like moments than like a like a real sense of place. Yeah, yeah. Um and I think that's where Matt Reeves really distinguishes this Batman film in terms of the atmosphere that he creates Gotham as this real yet also a bit of a fantastical place like it had the gothic elements but yet it also feels lived in and grounded and i thought it looked uh, just the the atmosphere of it just uh, is what also what stayed with me like yeah for a couple of days afterwards because at first i was hesitant about like am i gonna enjoy this a second time because it does it did feel quite dreary like it was raining all the time mostly night it the film's three hours long but to my no, not not really to my surprise, but um, I, I I enjoyed it the second time just as much as the first time, and it didn't bother me at all. Yeah, which just goes to show like how immersive of an atmosphere it was, and just how great it is just being in it and 
just experiencing it. It it reminded me a lot of I'm such a sucker for like rain in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's portions of this that rely, reminded me a lot of like Seven and kind of the atmosphere that is built up in certain mm-hmm. parts of Seven. But it's just like so committed to that dark, grimy world for such a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I, I love when directors take a big stylistic swing. And so I was excited to see that uh, Matt Reeves was doing that here. Mm-hmm. I also I've come to really enjoy Robert Pattinson as a performer. He, he's he's taken on some really weird roles. And so his his commitment to doing like unusual stuff kind of made me excited for this movie because I was like, well, maybe mm-hmm. if Pattinson is doing this Batman, that probably means he's finding something interesting and different to explore here. And I think that ends up being the case. And uh, even though mm-hmm. when he was cast, everybody was kind of like, huh, like, uh, that's an interesting choice. I think he ends up actually being like a pretty, uh, pretty fascinating Batman. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, what was your f- first impression of this Batman, like the character, not the film? One of the first things that hit me is, and I'm not, I'll preface this by saying like, I'm not a huge Batman connoisseur. I haven't mm-hmm. seen um, the... I haven't seen some of like the Clooney Batmans or like some of the earlier Batmans. Like Batman in my mind is the Nolan Batmans. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the ones that I kind of like cut yeah. my teeth on as a teenager. Same for me. But the thing that that really struck me with this one is just like his like menace and bulk. Like the suit is way bulkier mm-hmm. and kind of just grungy and gnarly. I think they did a really great job with his costume design of just like giving us a Batman that is a little bit more he's not the confident put together batman that we get in the nolan series with like you know huge endless amounts of high-tech gear at mm-hmm. his fingertips to craft like a thousands of versions of the right mask until he gets it just right it's like no this mask is like got little chips in it <laughs> and like it's kind of leather that's like stitched yeah. together and yeah I, I kind of loved all that that stuff yeah uh, in contrast I also love the way you could hear his footsteps before, like you could feel the weight of his arrival out yes. of the shadows before you could actually see him. Yeah. It felt yeah. a bit like Jurassic Park or something where they really built the <laughs> anticipation of the arrival of the Batman or in this yeah. case, the introduction. But yeah, throughout the film, you can, he, he moves around with this heaviness that almost literally like shakes the earth a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, there's more I would say about the the character, but I don't want to get into um, spoiler territory quite yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I will say that it, I think isn't a spoiler is that this is a sufficiently new take on kind of the presentation of the Batman, at least mm-hmm. v- versus the two recent versions that we've gotten. Yeah. I think there's something interesting here and it doesn't feel like an overly redundant mm-hmm. portrayal of the character. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that we got so much of the literal Batman in this film. Like there's hardly any Bruce Wayne in it. Yes. Uh, that to me was yeah. like a big change compared to some of the previous films. And I think it worked mostly. There's some issues I have with the Bruce Wayne or at least the, the amount of presence that we have of him that we will get into later. But uh, yeah, overall, I like that we actually got to see a lot of the Batman it's like they got like an awesome suit together and they wanted to show it off as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you think about the length? Did it, like the three hours, How do, it's quite long. How did you experience it? Did you feel the length or 
it felt like a i'll say it felt like a two and a half hour movie to mm-hmm. me so it's it felt kind of long it didn't feel like the full three hours there was a few like i felt like it maybe could have been a bit shorter and we'll get i'll get into that in the mm-hmm. spoiler in the spoiler section so it didn't feel like there's some people i saw saying i don't know maybe you were one of them that like it flew by and it didn't it didn't feel long at all it did feel long to me but i don't think it's like super bloated mm-hmm. or super overly it it wasn't enough for me to like make me uncomfortable and like get bored mm-hmm. but i think it probably could have been a little bit shorter but uh yeah how do you feel about the length i didn't mind the length i kind of liked it it reminded me a bit of uh zodiac also a david fincher film yeah yeah uh, which is a film that we may or may not have already recorded an episode on <laughs> <laughs> time will tell um but yeah I, I like that it as with zodiac they are both these detective stories and so they spent a lot of time yeah with the clues and with the mis- mystery that's presented by the villain of uh, the respective stories um i think the riddler obviously copied some elements of the zodiac in that film and or that real life story yeah so yeah i was mostly along for the ride i enjoyed like the the slower pace and i thought the pacing was overall pretty great like i didn't feel there were any especially on second uh on the second viewing i didn't feel there were any like particularly slow parts that could have been easily cut out um because that's always it's an easy thing to say yes. them, like oh it should have been shorter but then you right. have to like take a, another look and cut out actual scenes and yeah i think in this case there are some moments that not necessarily scenes that i felt were unnecessary but there's some moments where it does like linger on a particular shot like there's one it's not really a spoiler but there's one moment where the batman opens a cage and he takes out like this envelope that's left there by the riddler and that shot it takes like 15 seconds or something he just he reaches in so yeah. ridiculously slow especially <laughs> on the second <laughs> viewing and even though it doesn't build really much to any like suspense it's not the first time he's done it like it's right the riddler at this point the riddler has already left clues to the batman so he kind of knows what to expect and yet they still expand that moment way beyond beyond yeah uh, what is necessary but yeah that's that, that's just uh, like nitpicking a little bit. It's not really, I don't think it hurt the overall pacing of the movie. Yeah, I enjoyed the pace overall. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like a three hour movie is just hard not to feel like it, it re- like mm-hmm. in my, for me anyway, like it really, um, like it's the exception, I think, with a three hour movie that there's not some element that it feels like, well, this, you know, this movie mm-hmm. could have been a little bit shorter. And movies are trending longer in certain directions anyway. So I might just have, fatigue from like longer mm-hmm. blockbusters but I, I i definitely felt less like i had less problems with the length here than even with like the eternals which i think was only like, which yeah. was like two and a half or something like that yeah so yeah so overall yeah. the length didn't, didn't bother me that much i well, think for me there, oh, oh yeah go ahead oh i was just gonna ask if there's any other non-spoilery things that we can really mention here i was just gonna add that it it comes back to the atmosphere as well like i didn't mind the length because i just enjoyed being in that vibe for yeah uh, however long it took like uh, i'm not sure it was exactly three hours but it yeah and even though you feel the length it doesn't really matter because you want to stay in it yeah i would even be open to an extended cut just to see what was left on the table and just to be in that world like a little bit longer but um 
in short, like, what were was your overall spoiler-free judgment of the film? Like, did you like it? Would you recommend it? I would. I would recommend it in general. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm down on superhero movies overall. Like, there's a decent amount of them I skip or I'm. I'm not super interested in. This was one of my. Uh, favorite that I've seen in a long time. It held my interest mm-hmm. way more than any others recently. And I thought it was stylistically really compelling. There was still like a few elements of it that I didn't like that we'll get into. But overall, like I felt like it was an interesting movie. It was worth mm-hmm. my time. I enjoyed a lot of aspects of it. So, you know, even with its flaws, like mm-hmm. definitely one of the best films in this kind of genre overall that I've yeah. seen in in probably a couple of years. Might be too soon, but do you know like where you would well right now where would you rank it like among the other Batman films that you've seen? I don't know if it's better than The Dark Knight, but it's better than mm-hmm. s- at least The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> uh I would I would say pretty confidently. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I have to see it again. Yeah. But yeah, it it would be like somewhere in the middle of the Nolan Batman's currently mm-hmm. for me, probably. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. I thought it was a beautiful film. It has some of my favorite superhero shots that I've of, of any film that I've seen. I thought it was a good story. A um, it had some interesting thematic explorations, even though. I think it's kind of limited by what it has to be as well as as a yeah, Batman yeah. story. But yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. I loved all the performances. Um, the music I thought was really well done. So yeah, for me, it's also too soon to... I wouldn't rank it above The Dark Knight. That for me, in, in one sentence, I think The Dark Knight still has more thematic clarity than this film had. Right, yes, yeah. But I'd be interested to see especially if there are sequels to this film where this, or just as time passes and people have had a chance to really digest it, like I'm interested to to see where this would end up in the general consensus of good Batman stories, because I do think it's definitely going to be ranked among the, among the best. Yeah. Yeah. I think I need, I I definitely need that time Mm -hmm. to kind of sort out like, I'm such a sucker for the style and the mood. Mm-hmm. So I need that time to kind of like sort out like how much of it is just like, this was a really cool movie to watch. And then how much of it is like, there's stuff here to think about. And that actually kind of stays with you and and is an mm-hmm. interesting take on the character. So we'll get into some of that in what we're about to do, which is do spoiler territory. Yeah. So Okay. So moving into spoiler territory, let's, um, let's just, Break it down from the beginning, I think. Yeah. We open with what I guess people thought was going to be a origin story for the Batman. Like it opens with this young boy. Uh, actually, it opens with someone watching this young boy from across the street. And right. he's obviously like living in a wealthy place and his parents come home. And there's this sense of dread as we, the, the camera, the, this unknown spectator, which of course is later revealed to be the Riddler is up to some suspicious things, to say the least. And um, But then you quickly, uh, we cut to inside the house and there's this news report and it says that there's already a vigilante that's been active for uh, the last two years. So we're actually not seeing the Waynes or the Wayne family, we're seeing a different family. And so this is not the origin story for the Batman, it's the introduction to the Riddler. Yeah. So yeah, what, what 
was your initial impression when you saw this character? Like, what were your first thoughts on the villain of this story? The villain I found uh, adequate, I would say. I didn't like, I don't think it's not the most compelling part mm-hmm. of the story. I think it's like, you know, the Batman films are interesting in that, like, the Joker as a presence yeah. within the sort of mythos is almost like as big as Batman. Like, it's, it's kind of become a cultural force that that is maybe even arguably, like, bigger and more recognized. Well, I, I don't know. That's It's a hard one to say. But, like, mm-hmm. the Joker and the Batman are on. So there's this weird, like, tension in this film even though the riddler isn't the joker it's kind of like everything is is in relation to like what the joker is and represents mm-hmm. i uh enjoyed this presentation i think it was fine it made for a good foil and served the plot and i think paul mm-hmm. dano was was fine in the role but uh i wasn't like i wasn't like wow, this is, you know, terrifying or super gripping or, yeah, or anything yeah. like that. How about you? I th- yeah, I think it was also, it, 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 he feels a bit more on the background. He's not as prominent yes. as a Heath Ledger's Joker was, but right. I think it's also because the focus is more on, at least at first, on the puzzles of the Riddler and not so yes. much the character of the Riddler. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I do feel like ever since the Joker in The Dark Knight that there's been this like expectation that every new villain has to be either like that or at least on somewhere somewhat yeah. in that direction like i feel the riddler 2 was doing that that overly eccentric like the handheld recording scenes of like victims and then just talking really slow and then yeah. yelling suddenly and it, it had the the classic batman villain touches that we've yeah uh, were mostly, I think, introduced with the Joker and, or at least, uh, popularized by him. But yeah, I think the Riddler is most interesting as a reaction to the Batman in this film, which right. I thought was really interesting. So I think we actually should talk about maybe talk about the Batman first and what his character and yeah, what what he represents in this film. Because when we meet him, like that's the scene after. I think that's one of the the best montages of what the Batman is in any Batman film we've seen so far. We we get the voiceover, which reminded me a little bit of Watchmen and Rorschach's journal. But he he describes he's um, he's been active for two, two years and he doesn't feel like he's had much of an effect because, as is noted, like ever since the uh, Waynes died or his family died, like crime has only gone up and like murders have gone up and so yeah. we have the Batman, he's been active for two years, but he doesn't, he's struggling with the question of, is he making a difference? And so in the opening scene, we get introduced to his his method, basically. Like we get to see his idea of what is wrong with the city and how he is planning to, or what he's doing about it. And so we get this montage, we see crime and we see multiple different crimes happening. And the Batman explains like he doesn't, he can't be everywhere, but he wants criminals to think that he is everywhere like he, right. he says i'm not hiding in the shadows like i am the shadows yeah and that for me pretty much captured this iteration of the batman like i think he's more out to punish people or punish bad people than he is uh, concerned with helping good people i think yes. that's his sort of starting point uh, because i really liked how you see he does come out of the shadows uh, when 
a group of these thugs uh, attack this innocent man and then he beats them up but then uh, as he's trying to help the victim the victim is actually also scared of the batman right which i yeah. thought was a really uh, telling moment as to how the general population looks to this character like right he, he's, he's feared not just by criminals but he's basically feared by everyone yeah yeah what were your thoughts on uh, on all this i agree with everything you said i like to the point the very first thing you said, I like that we don't get an origin story again, that it just kind mm -hmm. of drops us into, you know, a world where the Batman kind of exists and and we get yep. his philosophy. And there's that very key line. It might come later. I forget where it is, but like you kind of expect the somebody ask him who he is or there's some kind of and he almost drops that like I'm the Batman calling card. But instead of the Batman. Mm -hmm. It's I'm vengeance, yeah. which is even in the trailer, I, be, I, I believe, or something. Yeah, yeah. That's the same uh, scene where he's uh, attacking the uh, the men who are attacking the innocent. Yes. Yeah. So it's in that first first kind yeah. of introduction, and I think that like distills what you're talking about down to the very core, which is mm -hmm. like he is about like revenge, punishment, and fear. Like that's the way he's uh, the mm -hmm. level on which he's operating in in this version and i think that comes to play a really critical role in like possibly his arc and like what's happening at the end of the movie so we'll definitely talk more about that but mm -hmm. i really liked that version i also like that uh i already kind of mentioned this like aesthetically mm -hmm. he's a less confident batman like his technology is a little more flimsy or like all these other things but the batman him himself like you were mentioning is already kind of like i don't know if i'm making a difference like this is a batman that is kind of riddled sorry no pun intended with <laughs> self-doubt like and he's not sure if mm -hmm. what he's doing is valuable like he has yeah. to question himself um there's there's a i don't want to get ahead of us but there's a moment where he's running away from the police and he gets up onto the top of the mm, building yeah. and he goes to like base jump off of it and where like yeah. with uh nolan's batman we would expect like he just does it and like a perfect execution and it's confident mm -hmm. he's like he's nervous to jump off of this building <laughs> and then it's like it doesn't yeah. really I go super yeah. well um and i feel like that was this batman in like a nutshell was like you yeah. know he's trying and he has things mm -hmm. he wants to accomplish but like He's really, he's not, he's maybe even not that good of a Batman. Like he, mm -hmm. you know, he's good at beating people up, but yeah. like. But even then, like in the the first fight scene, he immediately gets some, they get some punches in too. Like it's not yes, just him yeah. taking them down flawlessly. Yeah. He's he definitely still getting hurt. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of like, you know, yeah. they're, they're already from the beginning. We have this element of like he's unsure about himself he's unsure about mm -hmm. whether his methods are yeah. working and and that kind of really sets the tone for i think what the yeah. what the movie's doing yeah he says he's still trying to figure it out and still yes. trying to figure out the best way to help the city and i think also in some way he's still not sure how to diagnose the problem that he's trying to solve like he you also get a sense he's he does have a like a quite privileged look on 
yes. crime and poverty and like especially later on when he meets uh, Catwoman and uh, she talks about her friends who gets involved with some of the mafia people and he immediately blames like he like there's like a little bit of victim blaming also like oh if yeah if, if she didn't want those consequences then she should have been a better person or not she should have yeah. not entered into crime territory or something like that but yeah, i think that also goes into the the bruce wayne character of this film who's also quite different i think that's where he perhaps distinguishes himself the most from the other batmans because um the the crime fighter has always been there in all of the iterations right. and i think when we moved from the christian bale uh batman in the nolan films to the i was gonna say bad flag the ben <laughs> affleck right uh batman that there already we saw this transition from a batman who was like rational and stoic to a uh, batman who was more unhinged and already more punishing rather than really one who's striving for justice and also one who was more driven by trauma than by like philosophical reasoning as is yeah uh, you see more in the nolan's films but when you look at the bruce wayne uh with the ben ben affleck he was still the billionaire playboy that the bruce wayne in nolan's films also was but here we finally get to see i think the most realistic bruce <laughs> wayne yeah yeah like the one who's I think this is what it truly looks like to be 100% dedicated to being the Batman at night and yeah. showing what what kind of consequences that would have for your the daily life or the, the his citizens uh, persona yeah. because he's just you see him just mostly sulking around his big gothic mansion <laughs> or right. like the the tower and I feel like the difference is just like established through how he looks too. It's like he just yeah. like he takes off the mask and his eyes are just like, you know, he's like yeah. he's emo Batman. It's like very, <laughs> you know, Rob Patton. I love he's I so feel, pale from the Yeah, he's pale. Lack I think, of sunlight. And Pattinson really drives home, I think, a difference between the two uh personas mm -hmm. in a in an interesting way. Like with Bale's Batman, it's like you can see a confidence coming through in both of them. Mm -hmm. But he, it's like, oh, he's changing his voice so that you don't know who he is or whatever. He he acts a little more cocky as Bruce Wayne or whatever. But this one, it like it felt like when the mask came off, it was like this is a completely different character. Yeah. Um. And I I enjoyed that. Uh, like they mm -hmm. they established the the difference with Bruce Wayne very efficiently mm -hmm. and. Yeah. He mostly looks like he has the worst hangover ever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which like you would expect if you're maybe like yeah. running around, <laughs> staying up all night, jumping off yeah. of buildings and like, you know, walking around in this huge bulky suit. Uh, <laughs> I think to some extent, this portrayal matches a lot more with kind of the shifting perception and opinion of like billionaires in, po in popular culture. Like I think when mm -hmm. Nolan's Batmans were coming out, it was still maybe a little bit more trendy, but like to have like, oh, there's this cool billionaire guy with all this tech and public opinion in a certain way has shifted. And we have all these figures now who are like kind of looked down upon or don't like Mark Zuckerberg, Jeffrey Bezos, all these people who, mm -hmm. you know, are the billionaires in our world don't come across as these like cool, like we can't imagine them moonlighting as vigilantes mm -hmm. because 
they don't like that's not how yeah. they appear to us that's how they get away with it <laughs> that, that's <laughs> yeah exactly it's the perfect it's the perfect disguise mm -hmm. but yeah i felt like this bruce wayne was like very yeah. much felt like a 2020s bruce yeah. wayne like he fits into the you know the culture that that mm -hmm. we're more familiar with at this time yeah I also I also like these subtle changes in posture, like when he's in the Batman suit, he stands tall and heavy and more confident, like not completely, but yeah, he's more stoic. Also, when you see him interact with the police, like he's he has a presence and he he, he emits this fear and he, he has a certain like command that he doesn't have at all as Bruce Wayne when he's he stands a little bit more coward, like he's yeah. uh, he's more quiet and more self-conscious almost like it's almost like he feels naked without the batman suit like yes. that he's almost embarrassed and doesn't want to be he feels exposed or something uh which i thought was really interesting and also is a good sign i think of his like that he still has some unresolved trauma um, yeah. i think you you mentioned how we don't get the origin story but i feel like they captured all of that perfectly when batman sees the little boy whose father just got murdered by the Riddler. Like he yeah. just walks, he, he, uh, the scene takes place at this uh, crime scene and then he walks out, but he glances into another room and there you see the little boy who just had his father murdered. Like he's crying and obviously traumatized. And you see in just with looking in, at the Batman's face, you can see uh, all of his own trauma also still being like, that's it, it's way, it's still way up there. Like he yeah. hasn't, process that in a healthy way i think and Patterson did a great job at communicating that i think yeah that was an excellent shorthand for kind of like reminding mm -hmm. and inserting the origin story and yeah. those elements without like having to go back and, and rehash you know something mm -hmm. that realistically almost everybody who's seeing this movie probably has either already yeah. seen or is just kind of familiar with the story of through osmosis yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's. I think one of the the film definitely was able to take these shortcuts because we all have already become so familiar with the Batman story. Yeah, like I think when Nolan first did Batman Begins, I think they were coming off like the the lesser renowned Batman film, so it felt like he had to rewin a new audience or like reintroduce this character to a new audience or at least a new generation. Uh, so he had to do more like heavy lifting, but now we've seen the Nolan films, we've seen the Zack Snyder films. Now we we know who the Batman is and where he comes from, and so we don't have to uh, rethread that all those same story beats again over and yes. over, and we can jump right into it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure why. I think it was a comment someone made somewhere, but uh, someone said it. Uh, it felt like a sequel to an origin story that we already got earlier, yes. which I think was pretty interesting because that's that was kind of how it fe felt um i also liked for example how the relation between batman and gordon was already established like it, it yeah. was already assumed that they were total pals and completely trusted each other and more than anyone else and uh, we just jumped straight into them being friends without having to build that relationship over the course of the film as we've already seen yeah in the previous films so and that was something I, I truly loved about this movie was that there's a decent portion of it that's just kind of like Batman and his little band of like, he's got Gordon, he's got Catwoman, he's got Alfred, and like, they're just mm -hmm. solving a mystery. And that's like almost an hour of the movie. And I think it portrays 
something like this Batman actually really needs the help of all those people. Like if you look at each step and what he mm -hmm. discovers, it's like Gordon and Catwoman and Alfred, like Alfred helps him solve certain puzzles and like he's really only accomplishing what he's accomplishing because mm -hmm. he has help from this little group of people. Um, and I love that portrayal. Like it really, it didn't feel like, oh, he's just this super talented guy who has all this technology and is such a mm -hmm. badass fighter that he's able to accomplish all of this on his own. Yep. You know, he he's definitely still a central figure and necessary and like, you know, accomplishing things. But like he, mm -hmm. he couldn't have done it without the help of the people who are around him. Yep. And I thought that was that was really fun yeah. and cool. I think that also has an important plays an important part in his character arc. Yes. Like if, because in the beginning he, he he does he is presented as someone who has a slightly privileged worldview, I think. Mm -hmm. And you can see that that those flaws in his own perception are being exposed by some of the other characters. Yes. I wrote a couple of them down actually. There's like for example, um so just to some to summarize yeah. the the main plots real quick, we have the Riddler who is trying to expose this massive corruption in Gotham, and he's setting out basically punishing those who have been part of that corruption and leaving clues to the Batman. Like he leaves notes. Uh, every crime scene, you see a note to the Batman, which has some kind of clue that will lead to the next victim. And the goal ultimately is to find um, the rat or some character who played a uh, intrinsic part in setting up a deal two years earlier that got like one of the major crime bosses and one of the major drug operations exposed and got that crime boss arrested. But then as the Riddler is trying to expose that was actually this big conspiracy theory that is actually, that didn't save the city, but is actually just pushing the darkness into the shadows. Like yes. it's just covering things up instead of actually doing any good. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we have Batman. He sets out to solve these riddles, but along the way, it's interesting how many of the clues are actually, or just in, in general, how Batman's own privileged upbringing, like he still, you know, he has a traumatized past, but he's still like, he grows up with wealth and security and support, which causes him to be lacking in some like more real world knowledge. Like yeah. for example, um, you have this scene where they capture the, the penguin and they're trying to, they're talking about them with a clue and then the penguin sort of laughs at him and Gordon because the Batman doesn't know any Spanish. And so right. they fail to see <laughs> yeah. what the significance was of that clue because it, yeah. it talked about El Rada and it should have been La Rada, La Rada I think. Yeah. yeah, my Spanish is also, <laughs> is non-existent basically. <laughs> but so you see that this, it's clear that like, he, does, he doesn't speak any Spanish, like he has no knowledge yeah. of any other languages except for his own. And then of course, Selina, the, the Catwoman, she's also plays this, she sort of mirrors Batman in also being a vigilante, but one without, but being one without his means and without his technological advantage, but she does have more, a better understanding of what actually makes criminals be criminal. She knows where yes. to be compassionate, where the Batman does not. And so, because she's really looking out for her friends, she's trying to like save people from that world instead of just punishing them for being in it. So I think she really calls Batman out on certain moments where uh, he's, he's just basically being 
unsympathetic and therefore also actually being misguided in the actions that follow that. In the same way, you have the Riddler who at some point uh, towards the end, I think when they're doing the confession, talks about what it really means to be an orphan, like Batman was an orphan, but he still had, uh, as I talked about earlier, he was sheltered in his upbringing, whereas the Riddler was forced to fend on his own and he was just he didn't have the love and support that batman may have gotten but my favorite one is actually when towards the end the the batman is looking at the the carpet tool that the bat the, the, the riddler used as a murder weapon and then it's just like the the cop who's on duty there to just security he's the one who just happens to know the guy like he says something like oh my uncle is a carpenter so he knows what yeah. that tool is and so I feel that that's also some something that's like obvious to like the working class, like, oh yeah, that's yeah. a tool for carpets. And then, but obviously Bruce Wayne wouldn't know that because yeah, like when has he ever done carpeting in his life or yeah. <laughs> paid attention to something like that? So it's interesting who, how throughout the film you see Bruce Wayne or the Batman failing to connect certain dots because of his lack of real world knowledge. Like he is someone who's, been raised in a bit of an ivory tower where he's quite literally looking down on the right. city and its problems and he's which is also i think led to what led to him um adopting a strategy to solve crime or like what he thinks uh, will solve the, the city's problems in a yeah rather misguided way ultimately yeah yeah the element I think I found most fascinating about this Batman was that those kinds of ideas have already s always kind of been in the background of mm -hmm. Batman intrinsically in like the character, like the idea yeah. of this wealthy vigilante who, you know, whose father was this huge figure in this city, but then the city is, is corrupt. Like it's fascinating to think about that that the interplay between that of like oh there's all this crime in you know the nolan batmans or past batmans there's all this crime in gotham you know and if you think about like our real world understandings of crime and like wealth disparity mm -hmm. and how that plays a role in those kinds of things it's like it's fascinating that the approach that batman ends up taking is like i'm gonna take out the bad guys with my resources um mm -hmm. instead of helping the poor or something like that mm. and so i feel like this this version really brings that tension that kind of has existed there at least in in most of the versions of batman that i've seen and brings that like a little bit more to the forefront where you know it's part of the conflict of the story and batman himself is kind of having to to grapple with that mm. in a very real way yeah i definitely think that the batman just generally the Batman as a character and Gotham as a world is to some extent a bit of a reactionary story. It's, it, it's, yeah. it, it does is to some extent a, also a, like a power fantasy, like just it, it plays into that emotional satisfaction of uh, when you look at that opening scene, for example, of seeing injustice being done by like some assholes and you just want to step, like the fancy of just yeah. stepping up and just beating the living shit out of them. I think that's it does play into like something that's very emotionally satisfying and I right. won't deny yes. like I I'm I'm also always down for it like when I see a scene like that I do get like riled up and I'm like yeah 
like yeah get them <laughs> there's, there's definitely some part of me that resonates with a lot with that kind of energy but i also know like more intellectually like that's not the way forward probably like that's not right. the best yeah. way to actually solve crime on like a structural level and i think we all yeah. know that to some extent but that's like the trouble of making that connection between letting go of what is immediately satisfying to do that which isn't as satisfying or at least when you in, in storytelling terms like if bruce wayne had just like set up different charities and right. uh, educated <laughs> people that's it's just not as not as cinematic as putting on yeah. a suit like that and stalking the night in search yeah. of criminals to to punch in the face <laughs> yeah yeah that's not a movie unfortunately. yeah <laughs> unfortunately but to, to what extent do you think that you uh, because the film does, it, as you said, it brings it forward and it wants to critique it to some extent, but it still, it also yeah. has to be the exciting Batman film. So yeah. I feel to some extent you kind of run into the fight club problem where you, the film right. presents an ideology or like some philosophy or some idea that is very, or that it itself wants to criticize and actually like it, it literally does so at the end but then it, it it has brought it up in such an appealing way that the emotion of the original thing that lingers like stronger than the uh the correction that happens at the end yes to what yeah. extent do you think that's an issue with this batman or just the bat batman in general that's a that's a difficult question because I mm -hmm. mean, like you like you alluded to, it applies to uh, a a much broader swath of cinema than than mm -hmm. even just Batman. You know, can you critique an idea while engaging with the thing that makes it kind of mm -hmm. enticing to begin with? I think I would tentatively say like you can. Like I think there there's I, there's obviously people who misinterpret or misunderstand Fight Club or like take the wrong message away from. Um, some of these movies. But I think for me personally, like part of my understanding of some of these critiques of mm -hmm. like the use of violent revenge or so, or something like that have come from expressions of art that sort of like lure you in like things like Taxi Driver can kind of lure in mm -hmm. people with a certain kind of mentality and show how um, show why that might be enticing to some people but then subvert that and mm -hmm. you know kind of show you the end game of that and why like it going down that path is not a great way to go and this goes back i mean it's in like it's in literature like dostoevsky is like mm -hmm. that's the core of some of his yeah. novels is like the crime and punishment you know, most notably yeah yeah illustrating illustrating kind of this this mentality and drawing you into that and then and then kind of showing the payoff of that so you know, it's it's not without its flaws, and and there are, there are always going to be people who mm. who kind of take something I think the wrong way. But I think it is an it's an interesting maneuver, certainly at the very least, to try to like entice people mm. and then and then critique that element that is enticed. Yeah. And if people are going to engage with, you know, wow, it's you know, oh, it's cool <laughs> to like beat up bad guys. I'd rather they engage with that emotion in a movie that actually like deals with that in a nuanced way then just goes fully mm -hmm. into that and like yeah. accepts it as as a, a valid way to kind of yeah. engage with the world mm -hmm. yeah because yeah as we said we or the batman does want to critique to some extent the 
yes the message of or the idea of using violence and vengeance to solve criminality or just achieve some kind of justice uh, how did you feel the film went about doing that how uh, how did you experience like batman's character arc over the course of this film i already mentioned i love the setup of coming in with a batman that's a little bit kind of self-critical or unsure of himself doubting kind of mm -hmm. his impact or what the right way to go about things is and then he has voices from the outside who are kind of you know there's the the politician the lady who's running for mayor and she says to bruce wayne specifically like you could be doing so much good with um your wealth like <laughs> she kind of challenges him and yep. catwoman is challenging some of his assumptions about things and within the story itself he's being challenged like you mentioned to even solve the riddles he's having to overlook so i think that arc is there in a very interesting way um and i love that it comes this is something we haven't talked about yet but it actually comes to a point most explicitly where it's it's kind of revealed that the riddler one of the people he's going after is is bruce wayne because mm, yeah. he because thomas wayne bruce wayne's father was corrupt and he gave this money to a renewal fund and that renewal fund money was used in all these different ways um mm -hmm. and so like batman is having to like very literally grapple with this idea of like am i part of the mm -hmm. problem was my father part of the problem like what is my role and complicity in all of this and gotham and the the, the corruption and the problems and I love how that was presented. They kind of backtrack a little bit and I think softball it because he goes and talks to Alfred then and mm -hmm. Alfred's kind of like, no, no, you know, the, he, you've seen it twice, so maybe you can correct yeah, me. But the, yeah. the way I remember it being presented was like, Alfred kind of presents it as like, like Thomas Wayne had good intentions and he was a good man. It just like, things just yep. kind of went wrong and he wasn't actually as corrupt as like the Riddler is claiming, mm -hmm. which I felt like kind of took the wind out of some of the sails yeah. of like actually really having to examine his complicity in like a hardcore way. Like mm -hmm. they didn't linger in that ambiguity. Mm, yeah, Although I, there is a little bit of that left. I mean, what what was your opinion yeah, of that um, kind of maneuver? I think I I understand what you what you're trying to point out, but I think it was actually quite an important moment because uh, before that, as you said, Bruce Wayne learns that his father wasn't as perfect uh, as he thought uh, because yeah. the thing was he had, I think he set up the renewal fund, but that wasn't the source of his corruption. The source of his corruption was that he turned to uh, Falcone, the the mob boss, to yes. yeah, yeah. initially to just scare like a journalist who had some damning information about Bruce's mother or like... Uh, his father's wife, um, Martha. I'm not sure if that's canon also in this film, that, but yeah, yeah, probably. I think it was that uh, in this story, at least, uh, his Bruce's mother had been in and out of uh, mental hospitals. Like she wasn't well uh, mentally. And his father had been trying to cover that up uh, seemingly because he wants to run for office. And so he didn't, didn't want to have that on the family record, so to say. Yes. And so a journalist finds out and tries to expose it. And then Bruce's father turns to Falcone, who then ends up killing that journalist. And so initially it seems that like Batman's or Bruce's father is like corrupt. Like that's 
because that fits yeah. his initial worldview because people are either good or they are corrupted and then right. um, they are no longer good. So, uh, And I think what Alfred added to that understanding is that he showed, it showed in a really personal way for Bruce Wayne that people can actually, good people can make mistakes and that doesn't make them inherently corrupt or irredeemable. They can just... Sometimes people are, they, in a moment of despair, they can go a wrong direction or they can make a mistake. And that doesn't mean and they, the, even if their attentions are good, because uh, as right. Alfred says, like, Bruce's father didn't actually care about his campaign. He just wanted to protect his mother and her well-being because yeah, you know, the, the, yeah. when that would be exposed, like the stress for, her, for his mother would just be too much. And so he wanted to protect her actually from all that. So it was an act of love, you could say. Like it wasn't even right, if it ended right. up leading to this corruption. So yeah, I think that's uh, what that scene signified, uh, or at yeah. least was supposed to signify. Well, that's 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 a good point, and I mm -hmm. I I like the idea of including the fact that even with good intentions, you can kind of end up complicit in something that mm -hmm. in corruption, like because that is. That is a, a reality in the world that there's a lot of people who don't have explicitly evil intentions, but still end up being a part of something mm -hmm. that, you know, isn't good. Yeah. So maybe you've changed my mind on that scene. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to watch it again. To to the rest of that arc, though, I think we should talk about like um, towards the end. There's a really great moment that I think fully like signifies the end of his arc. And we can talk about the third act kind of in a more broad sense. But within mm -hmm. that. There's this moment where, you know, uh, Batman's confronted the Riddler. Then, you know, there's kind of this climactic scene in this stadium and there's all these goons mm -hmm. uh, firing rifles, trying to assassinate the mayor, I think is their primary goal, but they're yeah. also maybe just shooting at people in yeah, general. Yeah, I think just, it was just like a killing spree or like an attempted, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. the, that wasn't, I didn't love that part of the movie. But anyway, Batman's trying to deal with these people and he like, beats up one of them and the goon like steals his line and says yeah. i'm vengeance and then batman has this like moment of realization and then he jumps onto this power line and you think almost like he's gonna kill himself and he like cuts the line to save the people and falls into the water and there's this kind of like death and like very sort of explicit like death rebirth imagery mm -hmm. that happens and so there's this sense of like he's putting to death a certain part of himself that I am vengeance. He sees yeah. that reflected in which another key aspect of this arc is that when he confronts the Riddler, finally, we think for a moment that the Riddler knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Mm -hmm. um, but then we find out yeah. when he meets him that the Riddler didn't know that he was out to kill Bruce Wayne because he hates Bruce Wayne. But Batman, he thinks they were on the same side. They were on a team. Mm -hmm. They were working towards the same goals of destroying corruption. Yeah. And so Batman kind of sees like, oh, this element of myself, this retributive mm -hmm. vengeance element of myself, he sees that reflected in the, the villains. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of puts that part of himself to death, falls into the water. And then immediately after that, he like ignites a, a flare and he becomes a beacon of light and he does something for the first time in the film that he didn't do before, which is he goes mm -hmm. over to people and he like helps people out mm -hmm. of the wreckage. So there's this very like strong, powerful image of like Batman going from like mm -hmm. being the source of vengeance to like yeah. instead being 
someone who is helping and and i yeah. really loved that move i loved all that imagery yeah it's, it's so literal almost because he literally says like i am the shadow in the beginning and in the end he becomes right. the literal light <laughs> he becomes the light at yeah. the end yes one of my favorite shots that i mentioned earlier or at the beginning was that when he's in the wreckage and he stands there with the flare that's i thought yeah. that was just like one of the most beautiful superhero yeah. shots like i've ever seen uh, my main issue with like i like where it all ends like thematically but and besides for like you can nitpick a little bit how there's like a convenient power cable hanging there to prove his right right his, his newfound sense of altruism <laughs> and yeah obviously like I think the best way to show someone helping people or the most dramatic way is when you have this environmental hazard, like when you don't have to punch someone, but you right. just have to lift like something heavy or something like pull yeah. some people out of the wreckage. I think those are the most compelling shots from a drama point of view when it comes to yeah. showing people helping each other. But I did feel like, or like I was wondering to what extent it really is earned. Like he shows that he now is ready to like focus on helping people instead of just yes. punishing people. But I didn't feel like that was quite established as well as it could be before. Like we don't see Batman like refusing to help people earlier in favor of like, right. Like imagine if there was like some scene where he could either chase after the criminal or help people who were like in some sort of problematic yeah, situation. Yeah. And then we would have seen him go after the criminal instead. That was a bit of my issue. Like we don't see the citizens of Gotham as much and you don't really get a sense in how they play into the conflict at all like the or the whole yeah. story um, except for maybe we get that moment as I said at the beginning we where you Batman saves this innocent person and the innocent person is scared of Batman but other than that yeah. you don't really get a sense of where the citizens are at during this whole character arc yeah. But I guess that's the thing with because it, it uses other characters or like secondary characters instead of like crowds as a whole too. Yeah. Because I think Catwoman is mostly the connection to the people or like the misunderstood people of society. You have the Riddler who is maybe shows the darker side of Batman, but we'll get to him in a in a minute, yeah. I think. You see Alfred who's also connected to the line between good and evil and how it's not as strict as it would appear and yeah you get like stand-in characters for like i think the citizens of gotham that i think it works but it doesn't feel as visceral as or that it would have felt like if you had like more inclusions i think of like actual crowds of citizens and yeah, uh, yeah. seeing how this is all affecting them and how they are feeling throughout yeah. all of this yeah i definitely agree that was that, that was one thing in hindsight, like it, I didn't think about it. It didn't bother me while I was watching the film. But in mm -hmm. hindsight, I was like, the only characters in this movie are, you know, a politician or a police officer or Batman or a vigilante. Like there's no, you don't see any people really, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for the most part. You have that one woman who's a friend of uh, Celine of, of Catwoman, uh, but then she's just kind of like a ends up being a dead body, mm -hmm. you know, and a plot point. Yeah. And then you kind of have the masked people at the end as kind of an extension of of Riddler. Mm -hmm. So all those people are represented symbolically, as you mentioned, through other characters, yeah. but we never actually connect. Yeah, there's, there's one moment or one scene where the 
the memorial is held for the mayor where you see people outside and they are protesting yes, and they yeah. seem to be sort of on the Riddler's side or but not like it, it's not as explicit and we don't see this the change in their point of view like later on like we don't see them like oh we were wrong about this but <laughs> or something yeah. like that but but yeah i think uh let's get to the riddler because that uh as you said like um there's a moment towards the end where this revealed that the riddler thought that batman has been his ally that they were doing this together as yes. like buddies and that he doesn't even know who Bruce Wayne is, or at least doesn't know who that Bruce Wayne right. is the Batman, which I guess was also already foreshadowed by the moment where uh, Bruce Wayne received the bomb package, or that was intended for Bruce, but then there's right. the fireproof message attached to the Batman, so he clearly yeah. didn't know like they were one and the same, yes. which I thought was an interesting clue in hindsight, but... Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think of that, but yeah. you definitely like watching the movie. I definitely thought like, oh, they build it up in such a way that you think you're like, oh, he knows because it's portrayed as if, as if Bruce Wayne is thinking this way. Like he thinks that the Riddler knows his mm -hmm. identity and he's scared that it, he's, it's going to be, he even says to Gordon the one time they're about to play a video and it's like, like the title is like the, tr the real unmasking or something like that. And mm -hmm. Uh, and Batman's like, I think that, you know, this is, it's, this is coming to an end or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, like basically like he's worried that it's about to be revealed. So we, we very much like th that clue is there. And I didn't even think of that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we very much think that. I think it, you're meant to not know it towards the end because they really right. frame it. As you said, like Batman <laughs> knows like, okay, yeah. it's, it, it's the jigs up and you, you, you yeah. see it like the, the camera cuts to like the there's a, like a camera in the prison that's recording it. So he's like, oh shit, it's, this is going to yeah. go on record. But then he's like, oh, we almost got Bruce Wayne too. And then suddenly yeah. like this whole tension just like something just breaks. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure like that. It's interesting because I, I've heard reactions from other people who were unsure like at the end of the film, like did the Riddler know if Bruce Wayne was the Batman or not? But on second viewing, it's really, it, it's quite obvious, but I feel like it's may, it might be a bit overshadowed by the stuff that comes afterwards. Right. But yeah, the one thing I wanted to talk about with regards to the Riddler is the issue of conspiracy theories and how that sort of plays into our current perception of conspiracy theories and what they their implications in the real world which have i think have significantly changed over the last few years in yeah our age of internet and misinformation and online radicalization because i think from a just from a storytelling perspective like conspiracy theories have been around like forever and they've always been these rather fun things they, they're basically just like puzzles or like this the sense that there's something that's covered up and it's enticing yeah. and you want to know what's behind it but right now i think we're moving into this reality where we can really see the implications that conspiracy theories have on uh, individuals and also communities and groups of people we've seen yeah so besides even like the, the actual acts of violence that have been born from conspiracy theories and individuals who sort of fall into that you also see it in just the more general sense that people are losing connection with each other and everyone's kind of living in their own parallel reality and some of which are more harmful than others but i think my main issue is to what extent is it a problem that uh, we have this 
Riddler character who is clearly associated with an online space. Like he has this online community yes. that's radicalized him and some others. And to what extent is it a problem that he believes in this conspiracy theory, which turns out to be right? Like, right. At least yeah. for the most part. Yeah. That, that whole maneuver of like expanding the Riddler kind of into into a commentary about mm -hmm. conspiracy theories and radicalization and like these things. I didn't love entirely because I think while it's relevant and like those are definitely issues that are worth exploring and addressing in a film, by the time it comes into play in like the third act, I don't think there's time to really kind of explore that thoroughly. Mm -hmm. And so it ends up being like, a little bit almost exploitative of like, oh, here's a thing you, you might be afraid that's happening in society or in the world mm -hmm. right now. And so like, you know, we're going to utilize that to make a very scary bad guy. There was even a really uncomfortable moment and content warning. I'm about to talk about some graphic violence, real world events, but like there was a very uncomfortable moment for me mm -hmm. where as that ending is happening, where there's all the guys going up into the stadium with the guns. I remembered, I don't know if you remember, but there was a there was a shooting in the United States at a Batman premiere in uh, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And like, I remembered that suddenly as like that scene was happening. And so I'm like sitting in the theater watching and like suddenly there was about five minutes where I was like, just became very paranoid. Oh, uh, yeah. wow. And like, it almost felt to me like the film was kind of exploiting that like, hmm feeling because obviously matt reeves is i think going to be aware of that like there's been multiple batman premieres like since that happened in the u.s yeah. but it's still there and so i feel like it was used but it wasn't really fully addressed i mean there's a scene where batman's like they kind of emphasize batman's anti-gun so the movie has like an anti-gun message it's not it's mm. not glorifying that stuff in any means and i don't think it like i don't think it glorifies that violence in a real way like i like that it stays away from those guys perspectives for the most part it doesn't like engage us with like yeah. ooh, it's exciting to see you know be one of these like radicalized shooters or something but it did make me a little bit uncomfortable and i wish like if they were going to go there that maybe they did that in a more thorough way and then like you said when you add to that the fact that like it turns out the riddler you know is kind of right and it's like that mm -hmm. makes things messy yeah in a way that is a little harder to reconcile. Yeah. I wonder how it would have been if the if it turned out that the Riddler wasn't just wrong about uh, Bruce Wayne's uh, Batman right. or like his identity, but would have been wrong like completely because he does like he, the thing is he exposes the corruption and then he's correct in, or at least like not morally correct, but he's correct in the sense that like yeah. he suspects this conspiracy which was actually there but then he does he take he does take it too far like he does he's like okay yeah. we're gonna just kill all of them even though it clearly now goes into right areas of irrationality but that initial suspicion is still sort of redeemed from his perspective like he was yeah, yeah. Uh, it was he was shown as being right so it done it does feel like the him being wrong about the batman or him going like a bit too far at the end feels like a bit of a footnote to what should have been, I think, the main revelation about the Riddler, if they are going th that route of him being like a conspiracy theorist that um, just spends his time in those such uh, fringe communities. 
Um, so I wonder how, if it would have been or how it would have worked if it was revealed that the Riddler was just completely wrong, like that he may have accidentally exposed like a different conspiracy that right. ultimately the Batman solves, but then then yeah. then it turns out that his reasoning or this, this his, his entire view on this whole thing was just completely mistaken or misguided or ridiculous. Like maybe he suspected all of them to be like lizard people in the end. Or I think it would have been a good move on the film's part to really uh, subvert that in that moment. Like just yeah. doesn't show him as being like, oh, he doesn't know who the Batman is, but just show him as being completely like detached from any sense of reality. I yeah, think when yeah. it comes to, if you want to make a comment on those issues, I think it would have been a much better direction. Though I did think it was interesting that the Riddler and his followers were directly inspired by the Batman and his actions. He literally looks up to the Batman and you see like some parallels, like the opening scene, you have this voyeuristic perspective, which we also get with the Batman when he uh, yeah. looks at Catwoman for the first time. Like he's also on a roof on the opposite end of the street and he's looking at some through at her through like binoculars. Yeah. And then of course there's the uh, I am vengeance line, which I'm pretty sure like it was suggested that he that they deliberately co-opted that line from the Batman from instead Batman. of just yeah, accidentally yeah. saying the same thing. Yeah. Though I'm not entirely sure about this. The one thing I am still conflicted about when it comes to the Riddler's plan is whether or not he knew uh, because he wants to expose the rat and bring him to light. And then at the end, it is revealed that when Batman brings out the rat, which is revealed to be Falcone, uh, then the, the Riddler was shown to be in the some hotel or some room on the opposite end. And he was already like the whole time looking at the entrance of that club for waiting for a chance to strike at uh, yeah, the mob uh, boss. Yeah. yeah. But I wasn't sure, like, did the Riddler know who the rat was or did he need Batman to figure that out too? Because yeah, Falcone yeah. left the club earlier to go to the memorial because he, he was outside. Like he was not a complete recluse uh, or like a completely reclusive person. Right. So yeah, I, I wonder now. Yeah, it, it, it's a bit nitpicky, but I wonder like if there wasn't a chance for the Riddler, if he just wanted to kill Falcone or just had to, had to have him come right. out of that club, uh, wouldn't or there have been a chance know. earlier? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a few holes there, and I, I definitely agree. I think like it, the the best move would have been either to, like you said, um, have the Riddler be like wrong, at least in some significant ways, or maybe completely, or just to mm -hmm. like, or if you had just left him as kind of like a lone actor, and you know you don't you don't have to have this element of like there's people online being radicalized and then going and and mm -hmm. shooting up a a stadium full of people like you know you could have yeah. just left it at like oh here's a tension between this guy who discovered mm -hmm. you know and maybe he even blows up the 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 water and floods the mm -hmm. city but he's not like a conspiracy theorist who's who's got a team of uh, people on the internet you know ready to yeah. fight for him so i yeah i would have loved if it had been a little more delicate or mm -hmm if it was going to go into that territory, exploring it a little bit better. Yeah, because it wouldn't have been an issue if it had avoided it altogether. Yeah. I think if, if it was just a revenge move from right. Riddler's point of view. Like I thought yeah. at first, like on my first viewing, I thought the reveal was going to be that the Riddler was the son of the journalist who got killed. But mm, I saw right. some hints on the internet that that's going to be another character, Hush. Uh, I'm not familiar okay. with who that yeah. is, but that might be a hint there towards a different character that's going to be introduced later on. But yeah, I wish they uh, had 
as you said, done it either more delicately or more uh, consciously or just uh, did away with it altogether. Yeah. One thing I'll add for as far as Batman's revelation towards the end that uh, with regards to also with the conspiracy uh, is that it, I thought it was also interesting that the conspiracy is linked to the renewal charity fund, which was yes. set up by his parents, but then which got neglected later on, right. which made it vulnerable for all these corrupted individuals to, I'm not sure exactly how it would work, but they would move money through it or launder money or just do like corrupted things, Yeah, which is actually like, when you think about it, that's more like a, not so much a direct consequence, but it is linked to also Bruce Wayne, not being Bruce Wayne, but choosing to be Batman. Yeah, because yeah. you see him like if he was responsible and he had taken on like his parents' legacy with more awareness or more oversight, like maybe he would have been able to spot all this or prevent all this, like as a citizen or as like in his case as a wealthy and powerful citizen, instead of uh, devoting all his time to just being the Batman and trying to solve crime from like the bottom up instead of from the top down as he maybe could have done. And so yeah. that's one thing I also felt was missing a bit like there was no real character arc it felt for bruce wayne like we got one for the batman but as for bruce sure. wayne there's no real resolution towards the end like oh maybe i'm gonna be more responsible as a citizen now as well instead of just yeah uh, maybe even just like they set up the, as you said the mayor who wants to wanted to talk with uh bruce wayne and then it's not really followed up on towards the end even though it yeah. was such an easy moment to maybe insert that somewhere but yeah maybe I, it might be that they are saving that for the sequel, that in the sequel we might get more of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Even though I didn't necessarily think, I thought it was be a one-off film, but I think it's pretty clear that there's going to be, uh, there's going to be more. Also with the, like the Joker is of course briefly mentioned yeah. or briefly shown. Um, of course. <laughs> of course. Because you, <laughs> you can't have a Batman film apparently without some Joker reference in it somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think I took it kind of like as implied to some extent that 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 arc would happen with Bruce Wayne since he made that shift as Batman. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think they could have there. There was a bunch of stuff. Almost everything for me personally, this is just on a more personal note, like almost everything that happens like after that, there was a second where like I during that shot, that awesome shot of Batman with the flare, I thought for a mm -hmm. second, like that's where the movie was going to end. And I kind of wish it had because like almost everything that comes after that, I feel like weakens it. Like there's just kind of this scene where he basically like reiterates everything that we just saw symbolically, like in voiceover. And then mm -hmm. there's like some extra setup, you know, and we see the Joker. And I know why we, you kind of have to have all that stuff in there to fulfill the role of being like a blockbuster superhero film. But you could have easily done a little bit mm -hmm. more productive stuff in that space where instead of reiterating yeah. the lesson we had just learned, maybe we continue to see how like that change or that shift for Batman like is impacting his actions or, you know, but again, you know, if there were if they're planning for a sequel, maybe mm -hmm. they're leaving some room. Yeah, I was also a bit let down by the actual ending. I think that that for me, that that's. One of the moments but where for me I was really reminded of the genius of Nolan and his Dark Knight and in his other films too, like all of his films tend to end on this climactic accumulation of like the thematic resolution. And then we see 
all the loose ends being tied up and sometimes even in like a single shot or like just a sentence and it all comes together like it builds tension and then it just cuts to black and yeah. then i felt this one was more like it meandered more a little bit and then sizz sizzled out even though we get the same cut to black with the batman on the bat mobile or what the yeah. bat bike um i felt like that could have been re-edited into like from the moment that you see I think right after the flare scene where you, you see then um, it's the day after and it's shown that Batman is on the roof helping people and uh, you do get this nice moment that now you see like the citizen clinging on instead of being afraid of him like he's right. shown himself to be like a hero and just a savior in general and yeah I think it could have been better wrapped up with like this cool montage you have like the voiceover again and then it all comes together maybe we see like Selena Kyle who's going her own way and then cut it down to like a sentence or two and then it, it yeah as you said it could have been a bit more productive with the time yeah, that it had the time like it could have been a bit more efficient but yeah like more on a punch instead of just slowly fading out yeah but yeah overall i thought it was a uh, a pretty satisfying conclusion at least thematically a, a question for you real quick um mm -hmm. this movie walks kind of up to the line of like critiquing a little bit like maybe a white savior narrative or like a, a man is like a heroic savior it, mm -hmm. it plays with critiquing that idea that concept sometimes implicitly sometimes explicitly do you think it kind of trips into like then reinforcing that in the narrative in the end or do you think it's doing it in a way that's nuanced enough to kind of like take into consideration the critiques that maybe it's mm -hmm. leveling against that narrative yeah like i at the time of recording like my last video was specifically about that i think the important thing about superheroes and promoting like actual responsibility is that i think to, to it was a pretty complex video i'm not sure how to summarize it best in like a sentence or two but i think what it comes <laughs> down to is that even if you feel like you have this great heroic purpose that doesn't alleviate you from the responsibilities that you also have as a citizen you know going with right. the superhero analogy and that you still you know, it's it's fine you can be like batman but you also have to be bruce wayne and you have to right. take care of all that too and i like that it is it de-romanticizes that fantasy a little bit by having bruce wayne actually show the cost of being batman like you see bruce yeah. wayne is not like this revered or like admired person but more of a reclusive person and i like how it points out some of the privileges because a lot of these heroes they can do what they do because they have other people who do the stuff that they won't don't want to do like yeah. iron man yeah. has like pepper and uh, happy and all the other support sporting yeah. characters uh james bond has a whole team behind him batman obviously has alfred and other characters who help him out throughout his journey so yeah there needs to be like i think it's important that there's some recognition that it's not you can't be like a source for good on your own like you have ties yeah. to other people who help you and are who are just as important but yeah i think in the end it does come back to the the fight club paradox a little bit like to what extent can you promote or like present this idea but not so effectively that people that it overshadows the ultimate critique of it but yeah looking at this film from the context of that video that i made i think this is a good step in the right direction i do wonder a bit to what extent the batman as a myth or like as a cultural phenomenon fits this story well because in the end i think batman does 
demand to some extent at least a city that's corrupted enough for a batman to arise like yeah i wonder to what extent if the batman becomes like the savior in the during the day and the person who just helps others like to what extent does he just become like any other superhero and at what point do you undermine like the essence of the batman yeah yeah so i think it's worth asking to what extent we want to cling on to the batman as a myth yeah i'm personally like fine with it like i'm i think this movie shows that we can get like fresh takes or like yeah, yeah. entertaining takes on this uh character but yeah it's it's a difficult question and it probably depends on uh, like it's in the eyes of the beholder i think to each their yeah. own um yeah i think this batman works well as the movie that it is i don't really see how you can have sequels to this that are as thematically interesting although that doesn't mean it's impossible i'm not matt reeves and you know maybe he has ideas and you know assuming it's him that does mm -hmm. it and just because there's not legitimate room to expand from here doesn't mean they won't try to do it anyway we'll see yeah but i i do think there's a there's a definitely a contrast here between like if you think about the ending of say uh batman begins even it's like Batman is mm -hmm. the one guy who takes down uh what's his name Ra's al Ghul or whatever and like saves mm -hmm. the whole city from like the brink of this collapse whereas like in this he does do that one kind of self-sacrificial gesture of like he saves the people in that little area from electrocution but mm -hmm. like that's just a small group of people the whole city is still flooded and at the end mm -hmm. he's kind of reduced to like being one of the paramedics essentially like it, it, there's nothing that's yep. like ultimately special about batman that's making him more capable of like single-handedly saving the city than like any mm -hmm. of the other people that are around him so i think it is it's more nuanced in how it's like kind of presenting that yep. that resolution which i think is interesting so mm -hmm. and yeah i think the myth of batman in our culture is relevant as long as there's corruption mm -hmm. so I, I think and that's one of the that's one of the tensions of the movie is that like, you know, it teeters up maybe against validating some conspiracies that are dangerous mm -hmm. to validate. But then there's there's also like police corruption and some of the other things that and the mishandling of funds that are meant for helping people are also very mm -hmm. real things that happen in our world. Yeah. So there's there's a legitimate critique of corruption there, too. And that's part of why it gets a little messy. Uh, potentially yep. but yeah i think with the character arc that batman is making in this film it's hard to imagine a way in which you can like extend that arc forward and still have like a batman that makes a lot of yeah. sense but we'll I see i feel like batman exists on this weird spectrum in between on the one hand rorschach and like this the complete like the darkest iteration of just having this unhinged murderer who's punishing what he sees as the bad people and something like captain america on the other hand who's just yeah more purely good and virtuous and sees the best in people and tries to help them and batman sort of exists to me at least in, in a little bit in the middle which is yeah when we've seen him shift like back and forth like a little bit between uh, different kinds of batman but uh yeah I, I'm, I don't have like a definitive answer on where he shoots like what the best place for the batman is to exist in this whole yeah world but yeah about vigilantism i do think it's it, it it is something that as you said it it arises out of a genuine feeling of powerlessness it's not something that i don't think like we just have those happy or like uh 
violent fantasies about punishing people or doing harm. I think there's definitely a sense that people really can really feel powerlessness in, or like disempowered by greater forces, like by corruption on a larger level or by some other failure of like, uh, because it doesn't have to always be like uh, m malicious corruption. Like it can right. also be just like a failure of like a justice system, even yeah. if everyone acts within it with the best of intentions. So yeah. I think the allure of like, taking justice into your own hands will always be there. But yeah, I think the best thing that stories can do in this sense is what this Batman, I think, do largely succeeds in doing is showing like where this can lead you and what might be like a better, better course of action. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very well said. I don't really have anything to add to that. I think we both enjoyed this movie and I think it goes to some very like fascinating and interesting places. And even if it's doing that in like maybe a flawed way or it's not perfect in doing that, I think what I loved was that um, it was obviously a film that got down into that nitty gritty a little bit and actually did have some interesting things to kind of explore and say, you know, and didn't just kind of gesture at interesting things. There's been, I think, a lot of superhero movies re recently that have tried to go in that direction of like, exploring some deeper ideas but they they don't end up cohering into anything fascinating and this movie does it maybe somewhat imperfectly but it it actually it actually kind of dies dives into that area which i i liked and it just has the coolest uh that scene that is lit entirely by muzzle flash oh, as batman yeah. like is fighting the mm -hmm. i i uh i wrote this in a review on letterbox but like i hate automatic weapons in movies like i think it's the most boring mm -hmm. like there's so many movies where the climax is just a bunch of people like firing at each other with automatic weapons <laughs> there was two like wrath of man and nobody from last year both like use mm -hmm. that as like a climactic device and i'm just like it's so it's just so much chaos and noise that it's like not even interesting to watch and so i kind of hate automatic weapons in movies mm -hmm. for that reason but i was like this scene is the single best use of automatic weapons uh -huh. in any movie which is just why not light a whole scene with them <laughs> <laughs> and uh i thought that scene and just the chase scene in the um the highway uh, scene with, yeah uh, the was, batmobile yeah we're so like stylistically like mm -hmm. gripping and moody and ter like i just loved it so much so mm -hmm. if nothing else <laughs> Deep, profound, <laughs> existential meaning, whatever, uh, you know, political, sociopolitical commentary aside, uh, maybe maybe that's the wrong message to take away, but I was uh, I was entranced mm -hmm. to a certain degree. So now I need to examine my complicity and yeah. feeling like being a badass who takes vengeance on criminals is, is cool. <laughs> yep, same. <laughs> Time for some reflecting. Yes. <laughs> well... Thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the show, be sure to check us out on our creator-owned streaming service Nebula, where you can listen to all of our episodes a week early. Right now, the best way to get access to Nebula is by signing up for CuriosityStream, which comes with a free Nebula subscription. To learn more, just follow the link in the show notes, and we'll see you again next time.